Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I am Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We, uh, we've we got a fantastic show lined up for you today. It's, uh, it's very... Uh, on timely, the f- timely on the front of our minds because we are in the middle of winter, and uh, we're going to be talking today about air sealing and insulation. Uh, maybe some terminology that you might not have ever heard before. But we're going to talk today about things uh, that will keep your house warm in the winter time, essentially. Well, that's and ultimately, this is the time we're thinking about it because it's cold outside, and if there's a draft in the house. Now is the time that you'll be recognizing that because it causes you to have to cover up with a blanket or put on some more clothes or turn up the heat or whatever. But ultimately, the changes that you make now to keep the house warmer will ultimately keep your house cooler in the summertime as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's all the way around. It's energy efficiency in general. Uh, But insulating an air ceiling is probably the, the biggest thing anybody can do on their home, bar none, to save energy. Air leaks are a very common thing in homes, older homes mostly. Um, as technology improves, we find that uh, there's more being done today to resolve those issues than there were 50 years ago. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, the the amount of air sealing and insulating and, and just technology that has gone into making homes better today is leaps and bounds what it was 20 years ago. Yeah, reducing the amount of air leaks in and around your home is a cost-effective way to cut heating and cooling costs. That's right. So uh, the other thing I want to talk today about, Tony, is maybe some wish lists for new construction. What are some things that I would put on my house? What are some things that you would do in your house in regards to the construction aspect of it not necessarily you know uh, a fancy water heater or you know fancy furnace or something but in the actual construction of the home uh, that would help with energy efficiency so you're not talking about say putting a heating pad underneath the tile in your newly remodeled bathroom right I mean, because that's something that you could do right (laughs) if you walked into your bathroom in the morning and the floor wasn't cold then that might keep you from turning the heat up a little bit higher. Yeah, that's true. That might, uh, I honestly, I don't know what, if you were to compare energy efficiency in like in an overall, you know, look at it from an outside looking in, if adding in a heated floor in your bathroom would save money or cost money or what, I don't know what that would look like, honestly. I mean, I think over anything, it's probably it's comfortability factor would be pretty high. You know, you're keeping your toes nice and warm. Well, yeah, but again, that that goes right to the very next thing, which we're going to talk about today. This is your reaction, your reaction to being cold at sensitive times early in the morning and late at night when when comfort is the most important. Your reaction to being cold in the wintertime is to... Make a change which results in you being warmer, right? Here's an example of that. 
we'll go away from the bathroom floor. You get up and it's cold. The first thing you're going to do is turn up the heat, mm-hmm. right? So that's going to result in more money because you're, you have to spend money to heat the house, right? But if the house is kept at a temperature that doesn't make you say, whoo, it's cold in here, right? Then, uh, then you don't go straight to the thermostat. An example that we've used so many times in shows in the past where we've talked about having a thermostat that uh, is, is smart, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that you don't, it's not on and then off and then on and then off. Instead, it's running all the time at a temperature that keeps you comfortable without cranking the heat and then turning it off and cranking the heat and then turning it off, which we know to be less cost effective than running a temperate heat in the house all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. You know, Tony, I just got a smart thermostat installed in my house last week. And have you programmed it? Uh, Yes and no. There's not really a way to program it per se. I mean, there's a comfort setting where you say, this is around where I want my temperature uh, when I'm home. And it kind of learns from you and when you're home and when you're not home. There's actually sensors in it that tell it if you're there or not. So it will dip down or, or it kind of knows your schedule. So do you, do you set that to dip down a little after bedtime and then heat back up a little uh, before you wake up so that when you're during your waking hours in the house, it's a, a temperate, but it's not necessarily pumping heat all night long while you sleep under the covers. Right. I mean, it knows, it asked me what, you know, when my bedtime was, you know, when the first person wakes up in the morning, um, that sort of thing. But other than that, that's kind of the whole idea is of it being smart is it learns your schedule and saves the most amount of money by only running the furnace when it needs to. But the firm furnace is not smart enough to know when you have your weather stripping around your door has is failing or has failed right and you have cold air coming in around your entry door or your back door and that's causing your heater to have to work harder to keep the house warm because of an air leak around your door right that's something as a homeowner that you have to detect yourself and that's one of the things we're going to be talking about air leakage in your home which can cost you more money in order to keep the house comfortable the way you want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and there's lots of terminology that we're going to be talking today. You know, there's going to be words uh, that we're using, for instance, our value. You know, what what is our value? There's, there's a pretty simple equation for what our value is, but we'll, I mean, we'll talk about that later, but that's something that you'll, you want a lot of, right? You hear that term, oh, our value. I want high R value. Uh, but so we'll get into that. And also, what's you value? You value is a term used in Windows, and uh, we'll kind of go over that and what that means. Uh, some other things that we're going to talk about is air barriers on the outside of the house, things that you can do uh, on the outside of the house to prevent air from getting in and save you money in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, our number one tip if you're cold and you want to be warmer, put on a sweater. Before you head for the thermostat to turn it up, find a blanket, put on a sweater, snuggle in, and warm up. It's okay if your nose is just a little bit cold, and if it's saving you some cash, 
in doing it. That's what we tell the kids. That's you what get we, cold. That's right. There's blankets over there. Come <laughs> sit by me. Yeah. I don't mind snuggling with the kids to save some money. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it, it gets colder and colder and colder to the point where, uh, you know, you walk outside for a minute and you come back in and you just want to just want to turn up that heat, <laughs> you know, uh, start a fire, uh, climb under a blanket, crank on the furnace, turn on the stove, turn you know, on everything. Yeah. Turn on the heat lamp in the bathroom, heated blanket, run the hot water, <laughs> create a little steam. Well, we got to talk about all that and so much more. we got to take a quick break. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today, Tony and I are talking about insulating an air ceiling. Uh, probably the two most important things of any homeowner's uh, will to keep uh, your electricity and your gas bills down low. It's uh, If you want energy efficiency, it starts with air sealing and then insulating. Uh, you know, it's funny, Tony, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions or maybe just not a lot of information about insulating an air ceiling. I think people think that uh, insulation, if they insulate a lot, you know, just put throw so much insulation at your house that it will just be warm. And that's not necessarily the case. You know, uh, for instance, I took my family up to the mountain. We went to Mount Hood a couple weeks back, and it was freezing outside. And my kids come out with these, you know, fleece sweaters on or, or you know what I mean like a sweater or whatever and I said you're gonna be cold no oh no 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 this sweater is very thick I will be warm and I, you know my kids are little so I'm trying to explain to them that you could have a very very thick sweater but as soon as you walk outside you're gonna be ice cold because that sweater does not stop the wind or the air flowing through it so they walk outside, and sure enough, they're freezing cold. So, you know, we go back in and we get the 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 coats that are wind stop, you know, that have yeah, the, the... The outer shell. Right, the outer shell that prevent the wind from coming in. So insulation and air sealing is just like that. Insulation will do a very good job at keeping things warm. That are warm. That are warm. <laughs> uh, but as soon as... But it's not an air break. There's an air leak, you know, where air is just coming in wherever, it negates all of that. So, and you may think to yourself, well, you know, wind's not blowing in that tiny little crack, but that's not where it comes from. I mean, wind will, yes, of course, blow in uh, under and around weather stripping around a leaky door. It certainly will do that. I mean, we've had some windy days lately, and sure enough, you can feel the wind coming in or blowing in. But when you're talking about air sealing, when your house is not air sealed properly, every time your furnace kicks on, 
or you start your dryer or you turn on your bath fan or you uh, do anything like that, you're creating a pressure differential inside your house. And when you do that, it draws air in. Or if you're pumping air in with your furnace, you're, you're pressurizing your house. So it's blowing out and causing air to be sucked in in other areas of the house. So what you're saying is when you run something in your house that vents outside, right? like the bathroom fan, yep. you take a shower and you run the bathroom fan to keep the heat and the moisture from building up on the mirror and all on the walls and stuff. So you turn on that fan in the bathroom and it exhales or vents outside all of that hot air that's inside of that bathroom. The when humid, you're, yeah, the humidity. Yeah. Well, when you vent that air out, it has to be replaced with new air. So you're venting air out. Where is the air coming from that's replacing it? It's not an option. You can't have an option. You can't vent it out and not replace it. It's going to be replaced. The question is, where is it coming from? So we think, well, it's, it's going to have to be coming from someplace big because that's a lot of air going out. Well, is it one place big? Or is it a whole bunch of places that are small? You think about one tiny little thing like an outlet on the wall. Mm -hmm. An outlet is a hole in the sheetrock. Okay, Air doesn't just pass through the sheetrock, but it will pass through a hole in the sheetrock. And that outlet's got little holes in it. And so that air can come right through the hole in the sheetrock, right through that outlet, and come right into the house. And you do that times 60, and light switches times 50. And lights in the ceiling times 40, right? And now suddenly you've got holes all over the place. They seem like little things, but all working together, they definitely let the, the air in. Those are air leaks in your house. Here's a primary example, Corey. Last night, the wind was blowing like crazy. I mean, we had a pretty major wind event. I was laying in bed listening to the wind just whistling outside. Garbage cans rolling down the street. It was mm -hmm, happening, mm -hmm. you know? And the, the door on the master bedroom was rattling. And I was thinking to myself, wow, I must have a window open somewhere, which is allowing that wind to come in and change the pressure inside the house, which is causing that door to rattle. But you know what? To my surprise, there was not a window open. Mm. I have enough air leaks in my house that that wind was causing the master bedroom door to rattle in its little spot. I mean, there are leaks in the house, and you can remedy that. You have to locate them, detect them, and then seal them. So we're going to talk about all the different places that you can find these types of leaks in your house, and it makes a big difference. Air leakage occurs when outside air enters and conditioned air leaves your house uncontrollably through cracks and openings. That's really what it is, and it is not smart to rely on air leakage to ventilate your house. <laughs> you see, if you don't, we hear this all the time, a house needs to breathe. And now what we're saying is, you got a house has got to be tight, right? It's got to be airtight. Well, the fact is, both are true. The house does need to be airtight. It does. And it needs to be ventilated. But it needs to be ventilated right. Build it tight and ventilate it right. Yeah. So the ventilation... The air that comes in from outside, you want that to come through in a spot that you chose, in a way that you chose it, so that it's controlled. Controlled ventilation into the house, not coming through leaks, not coming through the crawl space or the 
attic access or any of those other places you don't want it coming from, through, you know, coming out of the garage, around the door to the garage or any of those places. Yeah, it's uh, I've heard this statistic before um, or this bit of trivia is that the, what's the largest air filter you have in your home, in the average home? And the answer is your carpet, because air passes through your carpet, either from uh, the lower floor to the upper floor or from the crawl space into your living space. And, you know, if your home was built pre-19, probably, well, probably pre-2000 or 2005. Sure, It was probably built with a post and beam. And tongue and groove decking. Tongue and groove, yep. Two by six tongue and groove or two by eight tongue and groove. It was just really common. Not every house, but it was just really common. And when you build uh, a post and beam with two by six tongue and groove decking, you have all of this, these holes in these gaps in the deck boards that cover that floor. It's really strong, but it's structurally sound. Structurally, but it's full of holes. Right. And when you have a floor that's full of holes, and you have, you know, particle board over that or carpet over that, that air is making its way from your crawl space into your living space easily. Mm-hmm. Very, very easily. So if you're, like Tony said, if you've, uh, if you have all of these air leaks in your house and no way for fresh air to come in, it's going to come in no matter what. It's going to come in, yeah. It's just not going to be as fresh as you want it to be if you haven't chosen the one place where it's going to come in. And we're going to talk about that. Now let's talk about the opposite of that. The opposite. It's not windy outside. It's warmer, right? Mm-hmm. And so air is not, and you're not running your your fan or you're not running your dryer or or your, um, your exhaust over your oven, right? So you're not running those and it's not windy and the air is not pushing its way into the house. Well, then, then you've got a situation where you're facing poor air quality because you're not changing the air inside the house as much as you should be. Neither of those things are good. Breathing air that's forcing its way into the house from a place you don't want it to come from or not getting fresh air coming into the house like it should be, and now the air quality inside the house is poor. Either of those situations are not good. And so controlling the air that's coming in from the outside in the place that you want it to be and the way that you want it to be as often as you want it to be, is ultimately the perfect answer. Yeah, yeah. Your house should never have uh, poorer air quality than the city. You know, you want your home to have the best air quality. More insulating and air soothing right after this. Don't go away. Built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Hey, if you haven't already, go check us out on our Facebook and Instagram accounts. We're at WW Home Show. Uh, or if you want to go watch some of our videos, we put uh, all of our videos up on YouTube. Uh, where uh, if you just search the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, or you can do YouTube forward slash uh, WW Home Show there. Uh, if you ever want to catch one of our shows that you maybe just didn't get all of it, or you want to go 
catch up on some older shows, you can go find those wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play? Spotify. Spotify, that's right. Uh, so those are on there. You just search the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Um, or if you can't figure all that out, you can go to our website. Just go to par.com. That's P-A-R-R.com. Click on the Weekend Warriors link, and that'll take you over to our site that's got all of our information uh, readily available there. Our email addresses, we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or comments. Weekendwarriors at par.com. That's right. So today we're talking about essentially, I mean, energy efficiency, uh, but the show's kind of more about insulating and air sealing and the importance of air sealing your home. Uh, Like Tony said the last segment, you want to... Uh, air seal it right or air seal it tight in, in, is that what I said? Is that right? Build it tight and ventilate it right. Build it tight and ventilate it right. That's right. Which just means, you know, you, you hear that term a lot. Well, every house needs to breathe. You know, you hear a lot of the old timers listening about new technology and they say, no, 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 my house needs to breathe. I like the old tar paper on the walls. I like the old (laughs) wood windows and you know, a leaky, super leaky house, um, which, sure, go ahead. Uh, if you want a super energy inefficient home uh, with bad air quality inside the home, go that way. I mean, that's totally up to you. Uh, but the fact of the matter is you shouldn't be afraid of new technology. And what that offers you is a much more energy efficient home, which means that your energy bills will be lower, a lot lower, and the comfortability, that's thats really where it is, is how comfortable you feel in your own home. And on top of all of that, the icing on the cake, the air you're breathing is healthier. Right. And that's really uh, just as important as being comfortable, is being uh, knowing that the air you're breathing is healthy for you. Right. And, you know, a lot of these things that we're talking about today are for older homes, you know, uh, going in and retrofitting and air sealing and insulating the home that you already have. Uh, If you're building a new house, new construction, uh, a lot of the codes that are in place right now um, doesn't necessarily, a lot of these things are already there, right? So you don't necessarily have to worry about them or think about them because they're just, that's just how, how homes are being built now with the latest technology. As long as the builder that you're buying the home from is a quality builder. Uh, because there can be problems that arise um, with this newest technology in construction. Uh, if you do it wrong, it can go badly quickly. Quickly, yeah. <laughs> and you know, we kind of learned over the years on how to do it. You know, they they built the same way for so long and so long and so long, and they realized that energy costs were going up, so they tried to become more efficient. And they did. They they tried things that didn't work. That caused mold issues, that caused, um, you know, failures, failures throughout the years, and they learned from those. So a lot of the things that are in place right now work, and it's getting better. One piece of technology that you're referring to right now, for example, which plays right into what we're talking about, is an HRV, or a heat recovery ventilator. What this is, is this is a, a piece of equipment that goes into the, the exterior wall of your home, wherever you choose to have it. And it is always pulling fresh air from outside, heating it to the temperature of the interior of your home, and then delivering that heated fresh air to the inside of your home, all while pulling 
the old stale air out of your home and exhausting that out to the outside. So this is what they mean by build it tight and ventilate it right. So you're ventilating it through the HRV in the place that you want it to be, pulling the air from where you want it to be pulled from, and it's always giving you fresh air all the time right. and pulling the old air out of the house. Now, it's not something that's standard. You know, it's, it's uh, I mean, I say fairly new technology, at least in the last 20 years, but it is definitely something that if you were going to be doing a remodel or you're building a new home, that's something you should be looking for uh, in your new home, for sure. I agree. Heat recovery, heat recovery ventilator or an HRV that uh, replaces the air and keeps the air that you're breathing um, healthy and the right temperature. And so that way you can fill all of the, the leaks and the cracks and the voids and things that you have where air is being pulled from the outside and build it tight and then ventilate it right through your HRV. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good uh, good description there. I mean, it's a lot more complicated than that. I mean, <laughs> that's that's a pretty simplistic version of what yeah. we're talking about. But but if you're serious about doing something like that, you can dig in and get a ton of information off of the internet. Totally. I mean, it. it but it, again, it's, this isn't something that you would probably do yourself. I, I don't think an HRV or an ERV, uh, whatever you choose, is is a DIY type project. I think that's just a, a step in a direction that is. Um, more energy efficient. So it's just something to think about. But yeah, knowing that you want it is something that a a, a weekend warrior or a DIYer can request. Sure. Or or say, this is what I want. This is how I want to go forward. Make sure this component is part of my remodel. Yeah, there's no uh, reason that you shouldn't ask your builder. Uh, In my opinion, if if you're getting a home built, Um, these are some of the things that you can talk to them about. Talk to the builder and say, this is what I want. I want an energy efficient home. And this is, you know, if you're not going to provide it for me, I'll choose a different builder. Yep, absolutely. That's me for sure. So let's kind of go down a list of places where people can find air leaks very commonly in their home and talk a little bit about how those can be sealed up before we move into actually insulating the areas that need proper insulation and making sure that they're retaining the heat like they're supposed to. Yeah. Let's go through that list because again, air sealing is the number one thing to start with. And in my opinion, I like to start in the attic. Yeah. I recently had my attic air sealed and insulated and it was the biggest thing that I'd ever done to date on my house. It has created a much, much more comfortable home inside the home. There's many less air drafts, and it's just warmer in general. But it all started with air sealing. And what we mean by that is literally walking around in the attic where all of my recessed lighting is and spray foaming around that penetration in the ceiling lid. Yeah, that's a that's a very great place to start. Obviously, we have lights in the ceiling. If you're standing in the attic and it's dark, right? You don't have a light in the attic or the light in the attic is off. You're standing in the in the attic and you're looking at your insulated space there. If you're seeing light from somewhere in the conditioned space or in the living space, that is right there. That's a prime example of some place that air is traveling from your attic space into your living space, which means you're breathing air that has been filtered by 
fiberglass insulation, <laughs> right? It's gone from your sort of stale air attic space uh, and in in through your fiberglass insulation and right into your lungs, right? I mean, that's a, that's a little bit of a crude way of looking at it, but it's as real as you want it to be. Yeah, that, uh, that's, you're absolutely right. So locating those gaps um, around fixtures, um, around walls and, and corners and wherever things are there, locating those and air sealing around them with expanding foam. Be very careful if you haven't used expanding foam uh, very much. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a art, honestly. The foam comes out in this tiny little, um, little line, you know, about a quarter of an inch by a quarter of an inch, and then it grows massively. And so you can uh, cause some issues there if you're not really careful how you use it. You want to use it sparingly, but you want to make sure that you fill those gaps so the air can't go back and forth. So many more examples just like that. When we get back, don't go away. Show built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today, we're talking about insulating and air sealing. And before the break, we started to talk about the areas around the house that are the most important uh, to air seal. And, you know, you started off with uh, air sealing spray foaming around penetrations in the attic. Um, you know, I actually would think, think to myself, that is the easiest place to start. Um, going, back, going back to new construction, I know we're going to talk a little bit about new construction wish lists later in the show. But the, probably the number one thing for me is is the air barrier on the exterior of your home. That is the most important one, uh, which typically you would have to do at new construction. Um, but if you're getting your house resided, for instance, if you're if all of your old siding is rotted or whatever for whatever reason you want to tear all that siding off and replace it, make sure at that time you talk to the cider about air sealing and putting up a weather air barrier on the exterior of your home. To me, that's the most important one. I would do that in a heartbeat if I was replacing all of my siding. I'm just not. It's just not. There's no reason for me. I have cedar siding on my home. There's no reason for me to do that. Uh, but that would make a gigantic difference in my home. Yeah, it's also a great opportunity for you to check the quality of your insulation. You know, insulation... Uh, can degrade. And also, you never know how properly it was put in when it was put in. You never know about what sort of remodels or uh, additions or changes were made to the house after it was built, but before you bought it. And uh, nobody knows that better than Corey. Corey, who has done several pretty good-sized projects on his home, which is, uh, I don't know, is it 50 years old? Yeah, it was, well, it was built in uh, 70... 77, so no, not 50, 43 years. 43 years old. And and you bought the house and came in and very quickly learned that several projects had been done to the home since it was built originally. And then as you delved into some of those 
additions, remodels, changes, and things that were done, you saw very quickly that a lot of it was not done properly at all. As a matter of fact, you had a very, before you insulated and air sealed your attic, you had a large area of your ceiling, joist ceiling framing that was not insulated at all. Right. I mean, literally there was no insulation there. And so he has heat that was in his conditioned space was passing right through and just taken off, gone. I mean, you were spending so much money heating the interior of your home because because it was not insulated properly. Yeah. So if you're taking off the siding of the exterior of your home to replace your siding, it's a great opportunity to inspect your insulation and make sure that it is also done right. Looking at the same time, of course, for pests, which uh, is another thing that plagued Corey's house, <laughs> his older <laughs> home. He had a bit of a mouse problem there for a while. Has got that resolved since, but uh, certainly something that you'd be looking for if you were removing the siding on the home. Look for uh, some pest intrusion and, of course, insulation that's not up to par, so to speak. <laughs> yes, you make a uh, – that's exactly right. My house was a disaster. Uh, but anyway, yeah, check out uh, – check that out. My Our favorite, Tony and I's favorite, would be Tyvek, uh, Tyvek brand, a weather air barrier. Um, with it installed properly, it is – by far the best product on the market, in my opinion. Anyway, going back to air sealing, though, uh, inside the attic, there's a lot of areas up there other than just your uh, recessed lighting that you would want to worry about. Uh, make sure that your attic knee walls are insulated and air sealed. If you've got a uh, uh, an attic or an upstairs bedroom or something that has uh, attic walls, that uh, are living space on one side or conditioned space and attic on the other. Insulate those and air seal those. Yeah, some other things you'll find in the ceiling between the conditioned space and your attic will be like a smoke detector. Smoke detectors a lot of times are hardwired. That's a hole in the sheetrock. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're just battery operated and just attached to the sheetrock. Um, but a lot of times they're hardwired. There's a hole in the sheetrock with an electrical box right there. And so that's an opportunity to seal around. Um, also, the attic access, if you have a, a square plank in the ceiling, that's how you access the attic, make sure that that, uh, that that plank or that access panel is actually insulated on the backside. A lot of times that insulation will be there when it's built, but then it'll fall off. And, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good sized little chunk of a space where heat will just find its way right out. So um, make sure that that is. Um, you know, some of the other things to look for, any any bath fan, if you've got a, a fan in your bathroom, which you will have, everybody has a fan in their bathroom. Well, they should. You can air seal around the, the bath fan from up on the attic side. Anything at all that is a crack or an opening, a place where you can see light through, anything that an ant can crawl through, <laughs> that's something that uh, needs to be air sealed to keep the air that's in your conditioned space, the heated conditioned air or cooled conditioned air that's in the conditioned space, in the conditioned space, unless you're ventilating it by running a fan or an HRV. You know, Tony, we should talk real quick about some of the other dangers uh, with air leaks, with having um, air coming from the outside, cold air coming inside your home. And I experienced this in my home personally, and it has to do with condensation. 
Now, I think we all kind of know that moisture will condensate on a cold surface. That's because moisture always wants to travel from warm to cold. Always. That's just the, you know, physics. So when it does, it'll keep traveling and until it hits what's it's called as dew point. And if you have uh, moisture in your air, and it it's gonna move through the walls. Water vapor gets very very small, and it will move through sheetrock, through insulation, through wood, all that stuff. It'll move back and forth. And when you have that. It'll uh, it'll condensate on the first cold surface it gets. This reminds me. I'm just going to interject here real quickly. You said if you have moisture in your air. I'm going to correct that. Some little like, grammarly move here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is moisture in the air on the inside of your home. Do you remember, Corey, when you were a kid and you got a cold and then your mom would go to the closet and she would pull out the humidifier and bring the humidifier into your room and plug it in and turn it on. And you'd had to listen to that thing all night long, right? It was creating humidity in the room because it helped you to get better, right? Or at least it did. When I was a kid, my mom had a humidifier and she ran that thing whenever I got sick, right? That's creating humidity in the air. Okay. Well, you're not running a humidifier. So now do you have humidity in the air? Absolutely. You do. Because you know what? Besides the humidifier that's in your closet, you're a humidifier. Your kids are humidifiers. Your dogs are humidifiers. The pets are humidifiers. Everything living inside of your house. Your shower, your washing machine. Absolutely. Cooking. Yes. All of these things are, are emitting moisture, humidity into the air inside the house. And that is going to find its way out. It's going to travel during the wintertime from warm to cold, and it's going to pass right through your walls, and it's going to create a dew point or a, a droplet of water on that surface that we're talking about. So the key then is to have a, a WRB or a weather-resistive barrier at that surface where that, where that humidity becomes moisture so that it's not getting trapped inside the wall cavity and creating uh, moisture in the wall cavity that, that will grow mold or mildew and then becomes an, an allergen, which is a problem, and you don't want right. that. Ideally, you want the dew point to be on the exterior wall um, outside of any of your framing lumber that could potentially become rotted. And this is what happened inside of my home. Uh, we recently remodeled our bathroom, and on the other side of my shower, they installed these fiberglass showers inside the house, probably right after framing. <laughs> and they installed them in there. The plumber came in, plumbed them, and then they came in and insulated the house. Well, fiberglass insulation or fiberglass shower was already in place, so they didn't want to move it. So they did not insulate behind the fiberglass shower. Well, this created a gigantic problem because all of that moisture was hitting a an ice-cold wall because it wasn't insulated properly, or air sealed properly for that fact. So cold air was coming up through the crawl space and through the two by six tongue and groove decking that was uh, throughout my entire house underneath that little shower. And it would, that whole back wall, the water was condensating on that wall and dripping down. So behind my shower was a horrifically moldy mess. (laughs) Yeah. You don't want that. You don't want it anywhere, least of all in the wall cavity where you can't do anything about it. Right. And that's the biggest danger with air leaks. All right. We'll be right back with some more air sealing and insulating. Don't go away.
Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. Uh, Today we're talking about insulating an air ceiling and how important that is. Before the last break, I kind of told a story about how I had an uninsulated wall, an unair sealed wall behind my old 1970s fiberglass shower. And the moisture inside the shower, whenever I showered, uh, it would, which wasn't very often, <laughs> <laughs> it would travel through behind through the sheetrock and all that stuff. And it would condensate on the wall because it was a no insulation and B cold air was just coming up through the crawl space, through the two by six tongue and groove decking and right up that wall, causing that water to condensate there. And that is the biggest danger in air leaks. And this is why you'll see rotted framing around doors and windows sometimes is not necessarily because the window itself is leaking, but because it's not air sealed properly and you'll have a warm, nice toasty air on the inside of your home with all that moisture that's going on in there, pushing its way through. And it's in, since moisture always wants to go from warm to cold, if you have a leaky air leak window that cold air might make the framing lumber right there super cold, and it creates a dew point where that moisture will just sit on the surface, it'll condensate, and it'll drip down. Not necessarily because the window leaked or the flashing leaked, but because the air leaked, amazingly enough. Yeah. So it's very important, in my opinion, to air seal a house right. So I don't want to jump around too much, but we were in the attic. That's where we spent most of our time so far. And before you leave the attic and go to the next spot in the home to detect air leaks that are in other spots of the home, check your insulation, your ceiling insulation up there. Make sure that you have insulation everywhere. Make sure that it is thick enough to do the job that you need it to do. It needs to be at least as thick as your ceiling joists, uh, you know, probably 10 or 12 inches thick. Uh, up in the attic space. And if it's not that, you can always add insulation. Um, insulation will help keep the heated space uh, heated. So you'll spend less heating. And and while you're there doing that, checking that insulation, you will notice that you have soffit vents. Vents uh, between the tails of your trusses or your rafters that looks that goes right outside. Those, those are screened vents that go right outside. You have to be able to see those. If the insulation over there is covering those up, then you can have a problem in the attic. So make sure that you install what they call a baffle. You can use cardboard or a little piece of plywood or whatever that make sure that that keeps the insulation down enough that you're, or up if it's up in the rafters, that your, your soffit vent has a clear path for air to travel because you're not trying to keep air out of the attic. The attic wants to get fresh air. It wants to come in through the soffit vents at the wall height, and it wants to go out through the roof vents up in the roof. So that's a, that's a natural occurrence. That's a cycle of air that you need to have happening. And if the air can't get through the soffit vent because you've covered it up with insulation, you're going to have a problem. Yeah, and it's a moisture problem. 
I mean, that's really the, the biggest thing is you want to circulate that air in there so that you don't have accumulated moisture or humidity up there uh, causing rot and decay issues. That's, that's the reason. Yep. It may be, it seems counterintuitive to have holes in your attic. When you, uh, somebody that doesn't know any better might look at that and say, oh man, that's, there's a lot of holes up there. Cover that up. I better cover those up. <laughs> you know, I mean, and it makes sense if you think about it, like, oh, there's gigantic holes. But it's, that's not what they're there for. They're there to protect the home. And if you don't have them, you're creating far more uh, problems with mold and mildew and condensation inside your attic than you want to deal with. That's right. So now let's get out of the attic. We're done in the attic. It's, uh, I hate the attic. Yeah, it's dark and cold up there anyway. So we're going to go back down into the house, and we're going to find all those spots in the house where you've got air leaking in. There are some big ones, and there are some little ones. Here's some little ones. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Outlets and light switches. Outlets and light switches in primarily in exterior walls for sure. Well, yes. And I was just going to say this. Because you would think that in, uh, say, an electrical outlet on an interior wall, you would think to yourself, oh, well, that's no big deal because it's on the interior. On the exterior, yes, there would be a little more um, cold air probably, but inside of the house even, what you have is that electrical wire from that switch or that receptacle has to go somewhere. And it goes either up into your attic or down into the crawl or through the wall from cavity to cavity, working its way all the way back to the electrical panel. Well, every time there's a hole drilled allows for air to travel freely back and forth. And if you and if it goes down into the crawl space, if it goes through the floor or if it goes through the ceiling. Now, if you don't air seal in the crawl space, in the crawl space around that electrical wire or in the attic around where that wire comes out, you're just, it's a super highway for cold air. So you will feel cold air coming from interior walls as well. So that's, we're going back up into the attic and we're going to find those spaces where the wires are coming out. Well, you should have already done that while you were up there. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't really talk about it while we were up there, but we're going to, we're going to retro that. Any place you see electrical wire going through a hole in the framing material that's another opportunity for air to get to light switches and outlets that are in interior walls in, right. the, in the home. So uh, light switches and outlets, uh, they actually sell a little foam gasket. You can remove the plate. Uh, you can install this little foam gasket and put the plate back on. That will help to reduce the amount of air that travels back and forth through your light switches and your outlets. So that's a, that's a small thing you can do to uh, reduce the amount of places that it's coming in. Here's something that's a little bit bigger um, and very common. And I think we think a lot of times, Corey, that we buy windows and doors or we we build a house with windows and doors and uh, they're just always going to be great. But the fact is, weather stripping around an exterior door does wear out. Absolutely. Uh, the, the sweep that's on the bottom of the door that makes contact with the sill when it's opened and closed that is uh, that is a, a, a piece of weather stripping underneath the door and then weather stripping on both sides. And then, of course, across the top or the head. These uh, pieces of weather stripping do wear out with time and they have to be replaced. It's made to do that. They actually put a little kerf 
which is like a little saw blade um, in in the edge of the jam, mm-hmm. which uh, the weather stripping just tucks right in there. It pushes right in with like a little barbed sort of rigid uh, side of the of the weather stripping, and it pushes right into that kerf all the way around. So check out your weather stripping. If you can see light around the door when it's closed, or if you can feel cold air coming in around the door when it's closed, it's an opportunity there to replace that weather stripping and uh, and reduce some of that cold air that's coming in around your door. Yeah, nope, that's a very good point. More air sealing and insulating when we come back. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about insulating and air sealing and uh, the importance of doing those things inside of your home. Um, Before the break, we were talking about a lot about the attic and weather stripping. Weather stripping is one of those things that goes around your doors. And, you know there, Tony, there is a pretty simple method to test your door sweep that we've talked about before. Uh, but if you're, the door sweep is on the bottom of your door. And if you have a somewhat newer door, it might have an adjustable sill. A sill is on the threshold. And if you, if it's adjustable, you can move that threshold up and down. So in the sweep kind of comes over and lands and rests on top of that to prevent air from coming in. So to find out if it is adjustable, just look at it. And if it has three little holes plugged with little rubber gaskets, you can take a screwdriver, pop those little gaskets out, and there is typically screws that you rotate in and out to adjust that thing up and down. So if if you can see uh, daylight underneath, all you have to do is adjust your threshold up and make that tight again. So what you do is you take, uh, the best way to test it is to take a dollar bill and lay it over the threshold and close the door carefully so you don't want to tear your dollar bill. (laughs) Uh, But if you can pull that dollar bill out super, super easy, or if it just slides around in there, it's too loose. And you need to make that thing, uh, you need to raise it up enough to where when you close it, you still want to be able to pull that dollar bill out just not with, with a with, little bit of re- with a little bit of resistance. Mm-hmm. So it's it's super simple. It's uh takes you maybe five minutes, and it will make a huge difference in the amount of air that's getting sucked under your under your sill. Yep, that's a great tip. Uh, that a- absolutely is. Uh, I'll tell you what. Here's a little weird thing. I was actually standing next to my stove. Right, it was later at night after dinner, and I was standing next to the stove. Uh, wiping down the countertops, and I could feel cold air coming through the exhaust fan 
over my range. Oh, my, man. My range hood. I mean, there's not really something that you can do. You can cover that, I suppose. Maybe you could... Uh, tape something on there when when <laughs> when it's not in use but there there are some places where there's not something that you can do but this is about reducing all of the leaks that you can the the less air that's leaking in and out of your home then the less of course money you have to spend heating and cooling your house yeah, and so, the more comfortable you are and the, yeah you, you're not necessarily going to be able to fix everything but everything you do address will make it that much better right like the door you have many windows. You, you First of all, you want to check all your doors, all of your exterior doors, the entry door, the back door, the door that goes into the garage, also a good one. Remember, your the space in your garage is not conditioned, and, uh, and you don't want that air in the house, especially if you've got gasoline or stain or paint or, you know, what other, other things you keep in the garage. They're not things that you want to be breathing all the time, so... Make sure that you replace the weather stripping around the garage door and check the sill on the garage door, the sweep, and make sure that the sill is adjusted if it can be adjusted. And then, of course, you want to address your windows. Your windows are your windows are an opportunity to see the world. It's an opportunity to vent the house in the, you know, when it's nice outside and you want to have it. But other than that, they're really just a hole in a perfectly good well-insulated wall, you know? I mean, uh, it's too bad we can't just see through the wall. The windows are windows are the weakest point on, on a wall, but it's a necessary evil. And uh, they make windows as good as they can, but it, it'll never be what, what, you know, what the wall is. So you want to do your very best around the windows and make sure that they are, make sure that they are sealed properly. A window uh, 20 years ago gets nailed up to the framing and then sided right over. And insulation is not an adequate air sealer, as we've talked about so much. <laughs> right. And it's a really good filter, but it's not an air sealer. Well, we see that all too often where, you know, back in the day, they would just take a little bit of insulation and tuck it in around the door or window. And when you pull off your trim and you look in there, you'd see all of this black insulation. <laughs> yeah. And like Tony said, insulation is a very good insulator. It's a very bad air sealer. Right. Uh, so that's why when you put stuff insulation in there, it still allows air to flow freely through it uh, with very little resistance. So it turns into a giant air filter. So in this situation, what you're dealing with is, I'm going to try to draw a little picture for you here. When, when a framer is framing your home and installing your windows, um, at least for sure, you know, 20 years ago, uh, they would frame the opening for your window a little bit bigger than your window. If your window is going to be 36 by 36, then the opening that your window is going to go into, they call that the rough opening. The rough opening is going to be 36 and a half by 36 and a half. Right. Now that's a half inch gap all the way around the window. And that gap is not air sealed. The air from the outside comes right around that and comes right through the trim that you have around your window. So if you wanted to air seal around your window, of course, it would require removing the trim. Now, not everybody wants to remove the trim. Uh, you know, it's been caulked and it's been painted and it's clean and finished and perfect. But if it means spending less money on your heating bill all of the years that you're going to be in this home, well, maybe there's an opportunity there for a project. If you can determine that you've got cold air coming in around your window, then there's an opportunity to air seal around it. You would, of course, remove the trim from the wall. And if it's been caulked and painted, which is going to be the situation in most, 
Start with a uh, uh, an exacto knife or a or a box knife and cut around the trim between the sheetrock and the trim. That will relieve the caulking, which will keep it from peeling the paint and the paper on the sheetrock up when you pull it off. Cut that and make a separation between the trim and the sheetrock all the way around, and then you can remove the trim. Maybe you can remove it carefully and uh, and use it again, caulk and paint around it. But you want to take the trim off. That's going to reveal that gap between the window and the framing, and you want to fill that with expanding foam. But you want to use minimal expanding window and door foam sealant for that for that process. They do make maximum expanding foam that could cause you some issues in that instance. So look for the expanding foam that's labeled window and door or minimal expanding foam. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, you want to make sure that it absolutely says for doors and windows. Um, even some minimal expanding foams can cause issues. And when we talk about issues, we're talking, you might not be able to open that door. <laughs> or you might not be able to open that window again. And it's happened to me, honestly. I grabbed the wrong can, and I spray foamed around a door that I installed between my house and my garage. I had an old school door, didn't have very good weather stripping on it. That old metal strip. I don't know if you remember those interlocking metal strips. Oh, style. yeah, for sure. And it was all bent up and just didn't work very well. So I replaced that door. Well, I came in there with my spray foam, grabbed the wrong can, and... I couldn't open the door. I put it in there. I let it sit and it hardened up and it expanded up and it bowed the jam so much. Could not open the door. Yeah. So I had to sit outside with a razor knife shaving out and chiseling out all of that foam that I had just put in only to find the right foam and fix it. Right. Yeah, you don't want to put yourself in that situation. So make sure you're using the right product, but sealing around a window and a door by removing the trim, sealing around it and putting the trim back on, that can save you a, a lot of money in heating your home. So Absolutely. it's a bit of a big project, but it's certainly something you can take on uh, if you've got the gumption. Well, and it's not that hard. Like you said, it's uh, you're definitely doing a little bit of work. Um, you you do have to remove the trim, but like Tony said, the, the most important part is making sure you take a razor blade or a razor knife and cut uh, the caulking out between where it was painted in the wall, because otherwise you'll end up ripping the paint back and causing yourself a lot of heartache. Yeah, you don't want to have to be retexturing uh, after you do that. I've done it. All right, we got to take another quick break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. If you haven't already, go check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We're at WW Home Show. Uh, you can go watch our videos on YouTube. It's youtube.com uh, forward slash WW Home Show. Uh, if you want to send us an email, you can email us at weekendwarriors at par.com. Uh, or if there's any part of this show that you missed and you want to catch it or any of our other shows, uh, we keep those online. And uh, we, anywhere where you listen to your podcast, 
It's Spotify, Apple Podcast, and iHeartRadio. So go check those out. Subscribe, download. Uh, we've got tons of them up there uh, with all kinds of cool stuff. And if you ever hear anything on here where you want to comment or let us know something, we love hearing from our listeners. You can email us at weekendwarriorsatpar.com. Make sure you do that. Love to hear from you. Uh, so today we're talking about insulating an air ceiling. And this is a project that anybody can do. Uh, it takes a little bit of time. Um, not every person can do every part of insulating an air ceiling, but I feel like, you know, almost anybody can. If you're a weekend warrior, you know, climbing up in your attic is tough for some people. Uh, but some of these things that we're talking about today, like adjusting the sill on your door, that's just something that anybody can do. Yeah. We were talking about windows before we went to the break. We were talking about sealing around the window, which requires, of course, removing the interior trim and right. sealing around and, and replacing the trim. But that's not going to solve the problem on every window. There are some windows out there, folks, that simply aren't ever going to do the job. If you've got aluminum-framed single-pane windows, for example, they're not insulated. Today, windows are made with an insulated unit. The, the glass and the vinyl window frame uh, are components of a window. And the glass is actually two pieces of glass that are sandwiching a, uh, a metal frame around. And in there is is an air gap between the two panes of glass. And uh, that's an insulated unit of glass. But the windows that uh, were older, you know, in the 40s and 50s, they were using a lot of times aluminum frame windows with single panes of glass, and those are not insulated. And uh, no matter how much you seal around the window frame, those windows are still gonna let air into the house because they're not insulated. Cold is gonna come from them. There's, uh, you know, there's things you can do if you can't afford to replace your windows in your home, and that can be expensive. Um, if you can't afford to do that, there's some things, some measures you can take to reduce the amount of heat loss there at your windows. You can get, uh, they sell a, a, a plastic sheet, I guess it's, maybe it's a kit for a window, and it's basically some plastic sheeting that uh, you attach uh, into the corners of the trim. And you've actually installed that before. How does that go on? I have. It's uh, <laughs> it's not very terribly common. Um, I grew up in Flint, Michigan, where it was, it was very common because a lot of the homes there were built during a time that was, you know, single pane. Yeah. You know, the single pane days. So what you would do is take that uh, plastic and it would come with this little sticky tape. You'd put the sticky tape all around the window and then on the trim or whatever. And then you put this clear sheet of plastic, really thin uh, plastic that when you apply heat to it, it shrinks. Mm. So you'd put this around there and, you know, you all wrinkly and you couldn't see through it very well. And then you'd hit it with a hairdryer and it would just like shrink right up and get super tight. So it was almost like crystal clear. You could see right through it again. Like a shrinky dink, huh? Yeah. But essentially what you're doing is creating that double pane with your kind of trapping air inside between the panes of glass, uh, which adds a layer of insulation. And it works really, really well. Yeah, that is good. Here's another tip. If you have just curtains or, or blinds, if you have like Venetian blinds uh, on your windows, whether they're metal or plastic, uh, that's, that's not helping you at all either. You can replace... Uh, 
like Venetian blinds with a cellular shade. And a cellular shade is probably an inch thick or so. And uh, it's sort of a honeycomb sort of um, construction. And uh, a cellular shade or heavy drapes that are closed can also trap that cold um, that's trying to come through that window and keep it in that one spot so it's not traveling around the inside of your house and making you cold. Yeah, it offers uh, just a little bit, a little bit of insulation to keep you a little more comfortable uh, during those super cold months. So that's a lot of the things that you can do inside the house. You know, there's there's some projects start to get a little bit bigger. If you're really serious about uh, air sealing the interior of your home, you could remove the baseboards, um, the trim at, uh, at the bottom of your walls all the way around. That's a big project. And you could uh, caulk in between the the, the wall and the floor. Um, maybe you have gaps between the subfloor and the decking. You could You could air seal in there. Uh, that would be a, an opportunity and then replace your baseboard. Again, it's a bit of a bigger project. Well, I did that in my home. Uh, I had carpet um, over particle board. So the particle board was over top of the two by six tongue and groove wherever there was carpet in my home. And but where the particle board met the wall and I'm talking everywhere, the interior walls, exterior walls everywhere. It wasn't tight. You know, the particle board stopped short by you know, anywhere between a quarter of an inch and a half an inch. It's just the when the person laying it down, put that particle board down, they just didn't get it tight to the wall. Sure. Not that they, they didn't even think to. Um, well, what happened there is because the particle board was tight to each other, it kind of created a somewhat tight seal. Mm -hmm. But where it wasn't, I had that two by six tongue and groove decking, which between that little half inch between the wall framing or the sheetrock and the particle board, I got down there and you could smell the crawl space air <laughs> and feel the cold air coming right up through there. So when I had new carpet put in before I had the guy, carpet guy come out and do it, I spray foamed all the way around where the particle board did not quite reach the wall. So I spray foamed it, let it foam up, and then I went back with a razor blade and, and shaved it back. Yeah, that's a really great tip. If you're if you're replacing your flooring, your carpet or your tile or your hardwood floor, um, that's a good opportunity to seal between the floor and the wall. And that will also reduce air leakage. And it made a huge difference. Yeah, I bet. In I my home. So uh, here's one thing we haven't talked about yet, and that's the air sealing that you can do effectively in the crawl space. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to get up in the attic. It's difficult to get down in the crawl space. And, you know, a lot of crawl spaces are uninviting and you don't want to be down there. But if you can get down into the crawl space of your home, you'll find many more opportunities to seal up air leak situations that are going on down there around plumbing. We've got plumbing pipes that are going up through the plumbing wall, um, electrical wires that are going up through the floor and, um, your heat registers and, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities there where uh, air is just passing straight through. And the least of all, which is your attic or your crawl space access panel. Uh, make sure that there's insulation on the back of your crawl space access panel and uh, make sure that there's proper insulation in between the floor joists all underneath there. You want to have everything covered underneath the, the house and make sure that you've air sealed around any 
opening that's allowing cold air to go from the crawl space into your conditioned space. Yeah. Yep. That's a simple one. Um, on my crawl space, I had somebody come out and air seal and insulate my crawl space for me. Uh, it's just too much work for me personally. Uh, but what they did on my uh, crawl space access door is they put weather stripping, peel and stick foam weather stripping all the way around it. So when you close the lid on that thing, it creates an airtight seal. It's kind of wow. nice. Yeah, that's smart. Prevent all that stinky cold air and yeah, s- nasty stuff down there. And if you are going down there to look at that and check that out, you know this is an opportunity for you for you to check for moisture that's down there. If you've got standing water underneath the house, that's another thing you're going to want to deal with. If you've got to go down there and work on air sealing. You might as well check and make sure you don't have standing water because that's definitely or something you don't want to ignore. Rodents. <laughs> nah. All right, one last break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for sticking around. Today, Tony and I are talking about air sealing and insulating. Uh, Real quick, I wanted to go over, you know, we talk about insulation all the time, and you hear that term, R value. Uh, It's a pretty simple term. I think we all kind of know what it means. Uh, The more R value you have, the better it works. Uh, But what R value actually means is it's thermal resistance. So the higher the number, uh, the greater insulating effectiveness that material has. So if you have R5 inside of your attic, it's not very good because code right now in Oregon at least is R38 up there. So in the more, the, the thicker you have of that insulating material, uh, the better R value you're going to achieve as well. And if you're limited, like let's say in a cathedral ceiling, uh, they do make different materials and products that give you a higher R value per inch. So I get this question all the time because people will say, hey, I'm, you know, I needed to put R38, uh, but I only have X amount of inches. So in that application, you might have to go with something like spray foam or rigid foam insulation, or, you know, there's different types of things. So that's what that means. And we're going to go over a little bit today on the, what some of the different insulation materials are, you know, it's not just fiberglass anymore. There's, there's quite a few different uh, products out there that are readily available for residential construction uh, that you can choose from. Okay, so there's a big difference between R value and U value. That's right. I value you. You value R. Anyways, R value, when you're talking about the insulation in a wall, the higher the R value, the better the insulated wall is, right? Or the insulation in the wall. A U value is generally used to rate doors and windows. Uh, not walls. And 
a U-value is the opposite because the lower the U-value of your window or door, the more efficient it is. So you want that number to be lower. Uh, typically, a, a, a window might give you a U-value of, let's say, 32 or 30. Um, the lower the number, the better it is. Because in a window or a door, U-value relates to heat gain or heat loss, like solar heat gain or heat loss. So the amount of heat that will transfer through a window or a door is based on its U-value. So the lower the U-value, the less heat will transfer in or out. So heat gain and heat loss is measured by U-value for windows and doors, and you want that number to be low. So here's how it is. If you're thinking about them, a high R value means a low U value. Does that make sense? It does. A high R value means a low U value. And apart from that, it gets a little complex, pretty scientific and mathematical, and I'm not that guy. Um, but I can tell you a low U value in your windows and doors is the way to go. It just comes down to like your golf game. Absolutely. <laughs> windows and doors, you want the lowest number you can get. R value, you want the highest number. Uh, but that that is one thing I really quickly wanted to touch on. Um, in my lear uh, things that I've learned over the years, the higher the R value that you have, the better, right? I mean, right. That's what you would think. But there becomes a point at which the amount of money you're spending on the amount of insulation you're putting in your attic or your crawl space offsets each other. So you could put R236. Yeah, you could do that. You could put R236 in your attic, but the amount of money that you would spend to get it, you'll never get back. And it's not necessarily making your building or your home more comfortable. Sure. So finding the balance is the key. Right. And there, there's numbers out there that will, that you can look at or you can talk to your insulation company or if you're doing it yourself. But typically, you know, 12 to 16 inches of, of fiberglass or blown in insulation is going to give you the most comfortable room. Fiberglass insulation, for example, right? That's, that's a very common type of insulation that's used. There's a few different ways that you can get that. It comes in a roll, which could be, you know, 100 feet long by 16 or 24 inches wide. And it can be, and let's say, an R11 or an R15 that is uh, for a 2x4 wall, or an R21 or an R25 that's for a 2x6 wall. And then it just goes up from there, R30, R40, and, and these are fiberglass with uh, sometimes with a paper face, a craft face, or sometimes without unfaced insulation uh, in a roll, or it can come in bats. It'll come in a bundle with pre-cut pieces that would fit in your wall, and then you would uh, uh, you know use little pieces that you cut off and stuff them in little different spots. It's actually something that there's not a lot of waste. Uh, you use it properly. You can you can use everything that you buy in one place or another. Yeah, and really, the only thing about insulation is it comes in different widths, different lengths. You know, it's kind of confusing when you go to the store, and there's a million different things. You know, like you said, they've got bats, they've got rolls, they've got loose fill, they've got paper face, they've got unfaced. You know, different widths, different numbers, R's. R11, R15, R21. Um, 
but it's really simple. Like you said, you either get it in a roll or you get it in bats. And the bats usually are either four foot or eight foot. Um, if you've got nine foot or 10 foot walls, you'd probably want to get it in a roll and cut your own. Uh, if you're insulating an attic, you definitely want to use unfaced. That's very important. You want, if you're rolling insulation into your attic, you want to get unfaced. And the reason for that is you don't want to create a vapor barrier between your insulation and your sheetrock because you'll trap moisture in there and cause problems. So that's why they always say use an unfaced insulation in your attic or loose fill. There's lots of different types of loose fill. You can get cellulose, fiberglass, uh, mineral wool, and these things are, they're, they're like um, crumbly, and they come in bags typically. You just either get them blown in or you hand throw them out there, and it fills up your cavity with, uh, with the, the loose fill itself. And you, you can put that inside of, sometimes you can get blown in insulation in walls that are already uh, there. Say you've got siding on one side and sheetrock on the other you can, what they can come in do is drill holes at the top with a little, you know, like a two inch hole and then pipe blown in insulation in and insulate walls, say in an older home where it didn't either have insulation or the insulation that is in there has settled down to the lower half of the wall. And the easiest way to find that out is, is with a thermal camera. You can either rent one or you can have a company come out and give you a, an energy audit. Uh, that's not a terrible idea for somebody if you're uh, buying a new home or if you live in an old home that's just really, really poorly drafty and poorly insulated. You can get those pictures and it'll physically show you the differences of where your insulation is and where it isn't. So that's the best way, honestly, you can uh, uh, pinpoint where to spend your money on insulation, and you don't necessarily have to tear out all the walls to put up new insulation. Here's another little tip. Uh, along with all of the different types of insulation that you're going to find, you'll find one uh, made by some manufacturers that's encapsulated. Uh, insulation traditionally is a difficult thing to deal with if you're not super careful. Obviously, you get if you're if you're installing insulation and you're not wearing gloves and you get it on your hands and then you rub your eyes. You know, you get little bits of fiberglass in your eyes, and it's a problem. Trust me, I've been there. Yeah, you don't want to do that. If you're working in a in a tight space and it's really warm in there, and you're sweating, uh, insulation sticks to everything. So you want to be really careful. Make sure that you're using uh, proper eye coverings, eye eye protection, uh, wearing gloves. Don't touch yourself on the face or any. You know. Uh, sensitive areas after you've been handling insulation, but there is a product out there that's encapsulated. Encapsulated means all the fiberglass is inside of a plastic encapsulated bag and you can install it in the wall just like that. That makes it a lot easier, less mess, and um, you pay a little bit more for it, but um, you, you know, if, if you're sensitive to that sort of thing, that's a good way to go. Um, I have to physically wear a respirator and a bunny suit every time because insulation <laughs> fiberglass insulation is murder on my lungs yeah yeah i remember i remember the last time we insulated it was uh, a couple of us running around in bunny suits and all gussied up and you made me wear that thing that's funny well that's all the time we got folks thank you so much for tuning in we hope you got something that you could use today this has been another episode of your weekend warriors right here on the weekend warriors radio network have a great week